You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands in the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I'm joined today by Andy Anderson, who's the head of entertainment for Faculty Group. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Laurel. So tell us what Faculty Group is all about. Faculty Group is a group of companies, I think we're up to about seven by now, uh, that really just works with ventures uh, their whole life cycle. So it is injecting capital in early days through our VC. Uh, coming on as an advisor to help them set them up for their go-to-market. Um, it is two different marketing teams that support them, get their narrative in order and support them in their um, go-to-market strategy and communications. And it is an incubator uh, in case they need some tech implementation and development um, and also fundraising. We actually not only put in money ourselves, but we also fundraise for ventures. And then uh, when we go to launch, a lot of business development too, and then we go to launch, we have some secondary market solutions uh, to help them on their way. So uh, we try Is to- Is it kind find... of like a venture studio? It sounds a little bit like a venture studio to me. Yeah, it's sort of a mashup of a couple different things. I mean, you know, every every VC says that they like to add value. Uh, we try to f- <laughs> repeat yeah, that cliche. Yeah, that would be out there, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but we, we, we just try to back that up. Um, so, yeah, it's Venture Studio, but, of course, we don't kind of come up with ideas from blank page with that venture. We like them to bring a team and an idea and maybe even an MVP uh, and some insights or some learnings that they can then we can help them scale. And for those people who don't understand, like what is a venture studio? Like what is it? What is the? And then you have a really unique model. You don't take any upfront anything. You you build out these companies and build like coins, and then you take pieces of that. Like it's a very complex model. Um, for those who are a little bit more nascent um, in this new web world, share with us a little bit about first defining like what a venture studio truly does and then how yours is so very different. Yeah, I guess the first big point of of differentiation is that we're exclusively blockchain. So we invest in companies that are everything from infrastructure to decentralized finance and a whole bunch of applications, uh, really consumer facing companies, uh, but using blockchain technology to you know, add additional features that we feel are valuable to the consumer. Um, and we could talk about later uh, about the value of, of some blockchain features. Um, but yeah, the, you know, we believe in what we do. Uh, we believe in the companies that we invest in. And so we, all this advisory and incubation, all um, we don't ask that venture for money. We uh, take a portion of the upside. Uh, we invest in both the token and on the equity side. Um, and you know, we get our, our value from that. So, 
uh, we really sort of are, are in the trenches with the ventures and really um, helping them make it work. Well, it means that you're really like sticking your neck out and you are doubling down on the companies that you really do believe in. And it served you really well to date. I mean, you guys have had enormous success. Um, I want to ask you to kind of dumb it down for those of us who are blockchain newbies, which I, I consider myself to be. I mean, we've supported a couple companies in this space. I've done a little bit of homework, but I think that it's still such a confusing space. And especially with you know, all of these companies out there that are building these, again, BS platforms for NFTs that are never going to be worth anything. Like there's just so much, it feels like smoke and mirrors. So can you break down, can you break it down for us? Like go step by step. Here's what blockchain is, why it's valuable, what real companies are are using it for and what you kind of see in the future. And it's a, a big ask, but I think our audience would love some education around the topic. Sure. And, you know, that's that's generally our approach, too. I mean, p- people come and pitch us all day and they come up with these wild ideas. And, you know, it's funny, but as a VC who exclusively focuses on blockchain, we generally try to talk people out of their blockchain <laughs> Yeah, you ideas. said that on the last call we had. I was like, well, that's interesting. But to your point on that pre-call, like if, if they can still convince you and you're still excited about it, that's when you're like, oh, we're in. Right. That's right. That's the, that's the starting line for the conversation. They yeah. have to talk us back into it. Otherwise, we we are, are very kind of uh, known for recommending that they be a Web two company, and they could easily be successful as a Web two company, a product and service that you know people uh, don't need any sort of Web three technology to uh, to participate in. So, um, what is blockchain? I guess is the big uh, the big conversation. Um, it's really just a database. Uh, it is a database that um, is shared by a number of different people or nodes, validators, depending on which blockchain you're working on, and there are many. Um, but essentially, that that database is not corruptible because it is shared with a lot of other people. So if somebody says that my database says something, but nobody else's database says that same thing, it's not verifiable, then that is not accurate. And so that is what is that that new technology has given way to being able to own something in a digital space. Once that now, if we can claim ownership to something digital, then and that is verifiable by a number of other nodes or validators or the other databases within the network. Well, then, in fact, I can certify that I own that piece of those bits and bytes. And that Um, has value. And that has now ballooned into all these different applications of that technology. And we can talk about, I kind of split up the world in fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens. Everybody's, Mm -hmm. I think, a little bit more familiar with uh, non-fungible tokens. NFTs are are a big rage and have been for a few years now. (laughs) Um, And then fungible tokens being the cryptocurrencies that people might hear about, whether that's Ethereum or, or Bitcoin or some of the other sort of blue chips. There are now... Um, not to scare anyone, but there, I think, are now around 14,000 different oh cryptocurrencies God. out there. Um, that yeah, makes my I head know. spin. It's Wait, overwhelming it, for sure. It is. I want to take it back one second because, again, so why, how did block, who discovered blockchain? How did it come about? And why are people so excited about this new world? Um, 
Well, I mean, Bitcoin was the first, and right. that is uh, um, that was a paper that was published anonymously, and there are still a bunch of rumors about who has done that, and they those rumors vary wildly. I'll take credit very... for it. If, if no one else is, <laughs> I'll take credit for that one. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> you're, you're a genius. I know, um, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it has been adopted very quickly into you know, just this really it's an, it's an innovation or it's a research and design phase where people are just trying lots of different things. There are mostly good actors. There are of course some some bad actors. There is, you know, a lot of use good use cases, of course, some, some um, bad use cases. And and that's another big topic right now is like, where is the regulation Mm -hmm. Um, with Solana and and all the stuff that that are going, I mean, it's just like a mess out there. I I had a, uh, an LP in the fund that got wiped out. Like he, it was like a full on Ponzi scheme, like got wiped out like seven figures. And that's what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of bad actors. And I think that's why people and women specifically are so nervous about this world, which is again, why I want to peel back the layers for everyone to understand. But as you know, we're focused on more diverse uh, 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 founders. And what we have seen is women are less willing to invest and be risky. They are less willing to educate themselves in this category. And so my concern and my fear is that they're going to get left behind in Web3. And so that's why these, what seem like very baseline questions and conversations, I think are so valuable because my sense is, and I would love for you to validate this, that there's just a lot of jargon and bullshit out there. And they're trying to scare people into not being the cream of the crop because they're, they're, uh, they want to own the space. Is that a fair statement? Oh uh, yeah, sure. It is a, a very fair <laughs> statement. Um, there's a few things to to always sort of remember. Um, one is this is a it's a technology, right? It is not going to be a paradigm shift for you know the entire world, at least not right away. And if it is going to be at some point, uh, it's going to be thirty, forty, fifty years from now, and that is just an underlying technology. So. Um, you know, people like to say, oh, it's the new internet. Uh, we actually don't believe that it is the new internet. We talk about it being a sort of a new kind of version of cloud computing mm. in that there's a lot of us who use cloud computing. We don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. We don't really interface with it, yet it is there and it helps make products and services more efficient or effective for us. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot of people who are get, you know, a little bit... Um, I guess, concerned if they don't understand the technology. Well, you know, I would venture out there to ask somebody to explain how email works. <laughs> I was going to ask you for like a, a use case from like historic days, like something that would, that we could um, relate to, you know, from an o- older generation perspective. But I think that's exactly right. Like people, you wouldn't say I'm get, sending this to you on the email, right? <laughs> it's an email. Not You're not saying this to you on the blockchain. It is blockchain. It's a part of the integration of these other platforms and services. We have to take a really quick break. We will be right back. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably very likely that you've worked with a marketing agency that hasn't really worked out. That's why Elevate My Brand has developed our roadmap to marketing process. We use an extremely data-driven approach to show you exactly what your competitors are doing in the omnichannel space so that we can develop a strategy and tactical approach to success in your marketing. Call us today and let's get mapping. 
Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with Andy Anderson, who is the head of entertainment for Faculty Group. Uh, he is breaking down uh, blockchain, crypto, NFTs, all of these buzzy, buzzy words, Web3, that um, frankly, I, uh, I know enough to be dangerous about. Like, that's all I'll say about it. So before the break, we were talking about um, like, what would that be relative to something his uh, historical? And we were talking about email. So explain what you mean by that. Yeah, I just mean it's an underlying technology that people use every single day, and they might not necessarily understand how it works, but it doesn't prevent them to, from using it. So right. whether it's email or whether it's blockchain, let's just think about it as a technology that is underlying a product or service that we'll end up using. I mean, all of our credit card companies will start using, and financial services will start using blockchain um, without us probably even knowing it. Um, and that's not nothing to be scared of. Um, right. In fact, I think it's something to celebrate because of the security piece of it, which is what you were talking about initially. Like it's the validation process um, that the platform that it's built on is, um, I think, going to be, and I believe that you believe this, um, it's just much more secure. Right. I mean, that's the reason why people are so excited about it. It is indeed. And so that security question, there, there's privacy and there's security. There's also an, a huge like kind of ethos or philosophy around blockchain, which is this decentralization. Right. But, you know, to More use blockchain, words. yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't have to be a completely like decentralized autonomous organization in order to use blockchain effectively. You can be completely centralized. You can be Visa, um, which will never be decentralized. So you know, the, the, the technology can just adapt to who's ever trying to use it for whatever product and service they want to use it for. Ultimately, uh, we're big believers in it. We're built an entire venture capital um, firm around investing in these companies that we feel are going to um, help the mass adoption or support the mass adoption of blockchain tech. Um, and, you know, let's let's talk about kind of the biggest elephant in the room, which is the regulation you know, we get a lot of scary stories in media, you know, there's yeah. rug pulls and there's, you know, there's um, collapses, there's Ponzi schemes and the rest of this stuff. So if we're long on crypto, if anybody's long on crypto and believes that blockchain is here to stay, they should also be a believer in regulation. Currently, regulation is really like by enforcement. So the SEC is, you know, uh, picking and choosing, kind of sniping a few of the people in the industry. Um, and trying to take down some of these projects. And everybody else is trying to read the tea leaves and try to understand, okay, what did they <laughs> yeah. do? What did they not do? Yeah. Like, how, how can do we I not fuck that? up the similar way, right? <laughs> completely, completely. So we're yeah. all sort of looking forward to when there's, you know, a clear set of criteria so that we can do be the good actors and really adopt that criteria into our investments or if we're founders into our companies, we can avoid inadvertently creating Ponzi schemes, and we could really just try to create products and services that people like and enjoy and will use. Yeah. I mean, it's so unfortunate. I think you're right. Regulation has to be a huge part of the conversation. And sadly, you know, it's so slow to be adopted and evolved. Um, by the time it catches up to where we are now, we're going to be 10 years ahead. I mean, it's never going to get caught up, um, in my opinion. I mean, we're still figuring out how to apply rules and regulations to the digital landscape in general from a marketing perspective. There's no fucking way they're going to catch up to what's happening uh, with, with blockchain right now, in my opinion. But hopefully there will be some at least baselines that uh, people can play against, like you said, to be good players in the space. Um, so let's talk about, so we, we kind of laid out blockchain a little bit. Um, talk to us about Web3 and 
can you just, my take on it is nobody knows what the hell it's going to be yet. Everyone's excited about it. Everyone's using these buzzwords again, but it's so new that how can you understand and know what it's going to be? Yeah, great question. I mean, yeah, we're we're absolutely in sort of an R and D phase. Right. Um, everybody's sort of innovating in public, um, you know, and people are are participating all over the world in this R and D, which is like it's like prototyping in public. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. like this really kind of turbulent period. Um, mm-hmm. it's like everyone's but, a flasher. <laughs> They're like, <"Hey."> <laughs> <laughs> um, so. The, I think the important thing to remember is the fundamentals of business. You know, we go back right. to first principles all the time. Um, you know, when we're looking at investing into a new project, you know, does the team have experience? Um, you know, have they, do, have they put together a, a solid go-to-market plan? Um, you know, what's their use of funds? What do their financials look like? You know, is it a product and service that is worthy of consumers' attention? Like, you just got to answer all of those questions first. And then it's like, well, is like blockchain tech actually, you know, bringing that product or service to them in a newer, cooler, more interesting way? Mm -hmm. And if so, then great, let's go for it. So, yeah, I mentioned before, I I would split up the world in like non-fungible and fungible tokens. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the non-fungible token side, there's a couple things there. First is it really... Um, unfortunately, was given this name of an NFT, which sure, that's a non-fungible token, that's, but that's like contract language. That's like coding <laughs> language. And now everybody knows it as NFT. But like, if you and I, Laurel, were talking and I said, well, you know, do you like LOIs and MOUs and NDAs? Yeah, yeah well, for sure. Sure, it's a function <laughs> of what I do, but like, I it's would It's not the thing, right? It's, it's not, not the, the result thing. of the action. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other sort of, unfortunate occurrence was, you know, an NFT selling for $69 million or, you know, these bored apes that are selling for millions of dollars and people wondering, well, one, it's, it puts it into a very like kind of elitist bracket and people say, well, I don't have access to this and I don't understand it. And like, what, 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 how does this affect my life? The actual NFT functionality is being sort of, a lot of that hype is starting to wash away because of it's Mm -hmm. a bit of a mount market downturn. Um, and it's revealing like, okay, what's the real use cases here? How can we use these smart contracts in order to um, do something that we've always wanted to do, but maybe we couldn't do before? So I think the big news over the last couple of weeks has been around loyalty programs. And so this is a, a marketing web to, um, um, well, shit, I mean, probably before the internet, if we're being, yeah. you know, for stamp cards. Back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, punch the little punch the yeah. little card and get your tenth drink free. You know. Oh, I was um, all about the yogurt. I want my free yogurt. That's my free yogurt <laughs> or free yeah. coffee. Yeah. yeah totally. So it's an old concept, and it's just being augmented with this other sort of NFT technology. So um, Starbucks has released a massive loyalty program that they are using Web three tech in order to facilitate, um, and that's really kind of one of the directions that it's going now is. NFTs are becoming either low or very no or no cost. Mm-hmm. And um, they are being promotions and rewards are being earned. Yeah, like gift it's with just, purchase kind of thing. Exactly right. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, as a holder of that NFT, then it's also dynamic. So maybe I get promotion added to it for this month. Maybe 
Um, I've bought 10 drinks and it recognizes that and I get my next one free. Um, maybe it, you know, there, there's a bunch of, I mean, loyalty programs can go wild here, but it's all those same mechanisms. It's just sped up and it's easier to use with this like kind of NFTs being held in a custodial wallet. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting application of it in today's market that is easier for a consumer like me who's not, uh, you know, very well versed in this world to understand. So thank you for bringing it back to that like very baseline. Um, going back to uh, crypto for a quick second, is your my assumption is that there will end up being a couple of big players in the market. The cream will rise to the top. What does that end up looking like and how long do you think that's going to take? I know you can't have a perfect crystal ball answer to that, but is it going to end up being 100 coins? Is it going to end up being 10, 3, 10,000? Like what's that end up going to end up looking like? Oh, great question. Um, and I'm glad this is on the record so that somebody could later <laughs> tell me like, dude, you know. This is um, edible. So if you, if you get it wrong, we can go back and cut it out. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the chance. Um, I'm just so curious because I have no freaking clue. You know, it's just a wild, wild west right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the fungible token side, the currency side, mm -hmm. there will absolutely be these things called CBDCs, which are central bank digital currencies. So each nation will have a digital currency that they issue. It'll probably be titled the same way that their existing, you know, um, national currency is, is titled. So it'll um, be basically like a new digital dollar based on correct. each country. So there will be one, you think there'll be one. So the government That's will issue one and uh -huh. that will still be a huge means of trade. Um, if you look at the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar and how it underpins a number of markets, markets yeah. mm -hmm. around the world, it is really um, it is probably the U.S. government's greatest force. And even though they spend all this money on the U.S. military, I think it is that underpinning of the U.S. dollar through all these different markets that is really kind of the assertion of, you know, kind of a force around the world. So and, you, you know, believe that crypto is going to be politicized in a big way? Oh, 100%. No way Got that it. the U.S. government is going to let a cryptocurrency be valued more than the U.S. dollar or have more utility than the U.S. dollar. So absolutely, there will be these CBDCs and those will be nationalized and like that will be something that we all use. Will there be sort of autonomous or, um, you know, like global currencies for sure? How many of those? Uh, probably, probably less than like that you would actually do trade with probably less than like 10. I so it's going to be the Bitcoins and the Ethereums and the Litecoins and that's it. I think so. Or it's going to be these stable coins, you know, it's going to be like a USDC or a DAI or a USDT, which are these algorithmic stable coins that are pegged to like a basket of different um, factors that help sort of peg it to a dollar, essentially. A USDC is the value of a dollar. It just happens to be a, a global coin that's not operated by a government. So that's, that's super important. And then there's also this really funky thing where people are spending Bitcoin. So let's talk about spending Bitcoin. Wait, before we get into that, we have to take another really, really quick break. I'm, this is fascinating. I think we might go a little over 30 if that's okay, because I still have so many questions. Um, but we're going to take another really quick break. We'll be right back. Enjoying the episode? I certainly hope so. But we have no way to know unless you tell us. After this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice and let us know what you love and what you want to hear next. 
This podcast is all about you. And how else are we going to elevate your brand unless you talk to us? Thanks for sticking with us, chatting with my friend, Andy Anderson, who is the head of entertainment for Faculty Group. Um, thank you so much for this education. This is just like, I feel like the, I can ask you all the stupid questions and you're not judging me, which I really appreciate. <laughs> okay, so you were you were going after the, the, the bigger conversation. Continue. Yes, where people are, are talking about like, uh, you know, now they take Bitcoin, right, mm-hmm. as, a, as a trade currency. Yeah, they're like these giant icons outside all these retail locations. It's just unreal. It's kind of silly because Bitcoin, if you are buying Bitcoin, then you f- you are speculating on Bitcoin because you think Bitcoin will go up. Right. Right. So it's an investment. And so let's say I invest into Apple because I think Apple is a great company and I think Apple stock will go up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I were to go in and buy a product from Apple or from anywhere else, would I buy it with my Apple shares? Well, no, I wouldn't go spend Apple shares to buy products and services because then that reduces my balance of Apple shares. And my whole point of buying Apple shares is that it's an investment and Apple shares go up. Hmm. So there will be these tradable currencies like USDC, which are these, you know, kind of autonomous uh, global currencies and obviously U.S. dollar digital currency, whatever that ends up being. Um, but uh, these other tokens are are really meant to be kind of like bought and held as a hedge, um, so that you know it's a hedge against inflation. This is going to open up a whole other can of worms, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's designed to be a hedge against inflation, and so that is the purpose of it. So it's it's being a little bit mistreated. So you're, you're seeing some pattern here, right? NFTs were kind of mislabeled and um, misused. Uh, the use case was, really wasn't accurate at the beginning. And now these cryptocurrencies are also being sort of misused and people are using them to, to trade for goods and services. So it, there's still a lot of things that people are sort of working out and trying to figure out about how to use this technology. Um, but inevitably, we will figure that out and uh, it should make life a little easier. How long do you think it's going to take? Because I know, so I was in a Web3, it's, it's LA Tech Week. Um, I was in a Web3 a Web three event and they were they kept talking about mass adoption and how that has to happen before this becomes, you know, table stakes for people like me who aren't, you know, at my roots in this world. Um, do you have a timeline in mind that you think, I mean, because you're like in it every day, you see it. Um, how, how long do you think it's going to take on average? It's Again, hard to it's def- very speculation, of course. Yeah, it's hard to define mass adoption, but it, it's, it's, it's absolutely a buzzword. It's ab- absolutely where everybody is going. Um, it, it is a little bit difficult to define it. Um, I would say that uh, people will be using most, if we're going to say like uh, mainstream consumer unknowingly using blockchain technology, I would say that would be like in the three, within three years or so. Um, And it would be really in the payment system. So American Express has been super active in this space. Visa is looking into this space. Um, I totally agree with that. Doing it. Yeah, I agree with that. We have a lot of consumer brands that reach out to us and they're like, how do we get involved? What should we do? And I'm like, really, you're a consumer brand. There's nothing other than maybe a loyalty program, to your point, that might add value to what you're already building. But you should be able to. Um, integrate the payment system that is uh, is um, you know uses crypto. 
that's how that's really where I start and stop with them. I'm like, I don't know enough to be to to help you with that. If that's what you want to build, we're not the right team because it's not my world. But at the very minimum, I agree with you that in the next three to five years, it's going to be table stakes. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're smart because you those are exactly the two things that I would recommend too. I would say some marketing activation through NFTs loyalty program where you're not putting any sort of cost onto right. your consumers, but you are giving them rewards uh, for right. doing what they're already doing, but could entice them to do a little bit more. And then giving um, you know some sort of um, payment railways so that people can use either fiat currency or cryptocurrency to pay for services, whatever they so choose. Um, yep. Okay. I know a little. I mean, this conversation has actually made me feel quite a bit better because I feel like I sur I'm surrounded by really smart people. And when they speak on these topics, I feel like half of it's over my head, but I do actually understand it, I think. I think you you absolutely do. And it's just about kind of going back to first principles, going back to fundamentals. Would I buy a would I buy a CVS coin to go into CVS and then use that CVS coin on <laughs> CVS products and services? And then when I come out and I want to go over to, you know, Whole Foods, I've got to go, I've got to go change into Whole Foods coin and do that. No, because our user experience tells us that that's a pain in the ass. And yeah. so it's still those first principles that I think are still kind of up against the wall and kind of fighting their way into this crazy rush of money and crazy rush of, of research and development, but those things will work it, itself out. Yeah. I heard someone say the people who are like pushing so hard right now and trying to get into this world, um, but don't really know what that application is going to look like, or that are building out like random coins, at, like the, they're the tourists in the market. <laughs> and once the tourists leave the real players, like the people that are here from LA born and raised, like in this, you know, in this um, crypto environment are going to be the, the winners. And I, I thought that was a really great parallel, right? Like you always want the tourists to get the fuck out of your town, right? So you can do your work. At least you <laughs> want to know where the tourists are. So like, you and know, avoid we don't them. go down to Hollywood Boulevard, you know, because we know that that's where the tourists are hanging out. But, right. um, you know, everybody else will be in those other places. Totally. Um, so at this, at this event, I had a couple of people, women specifically, come up to me and ask me a couple of questions about some other buzzwords. So I want to ask you these questions so that you can answer them for our larger audience. Um, they kept saying the word gas, like it's not worth the gas. What does gas mean when it relates to this world? It's a transaction fee. So That's a it. blockchain, yeah, a blockchain requires a number of computers in order to process a transaction. It's decentralized. And so, you know, instead of Visa charging a little bit of money in order to process that transaction for you, you have, the consumer has to put up that transaction fee. And that goes to all the different folks who are processing that transaction. So, and that, the, the thing is, is that increased traffic means increased fees because, you know, there's only a certain amount of, um, capacity on any of these blockchains. And so mm -hmm. when you look at Ethereum being the number one blockchain for transactions, it's just, it's, it's handling too much right now. And so the gas ends up or the transaction fees end up like kind of getting too much and being kind of cost prohibitive to whatever that transaction you're trying to make, um, yeah. which has been a big problem for them. And so a number of chains have come out to try to solve specifically that problem. And they have. Um, and now Ethereum is going and there's a big thing happening next month where they are also moving towards um, a model where they can start to address those high transaction fees. 
Thank you. Um, the other the other question was around settlement and timing around settlement. Why is that so important? Um, interesting. When they're talking about settlement, are they talking about sort of like being able to reverse payments? Uh, I think um, like when like the actual transaction timing, I think is more what they're talking about. Oh, well, um, if I'm being honest, I mean, I, I love using, doing blockchain transactions because the, the time for the transaction is actually quicker than if I'm to wire you money through Wells Fargo. I right. mean, they literally have to wait for like Steve to come back from vacation <laughs> to hit the button, you know, in three to five business days in order for you to get my money. Whereas if I'm using Venmo or a blockchain provider, you know, it's it's certainly a whole lot quicker. Yeah. So the speed, the speed on payment and settlement is much higher, which is why it's such a great platform or an opportunity to get paid and pay. Um, there was a conversation around, I want to say it was called tier one. Like there were tiers of something. I can't remember exactly what they were talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. So layers. So layer. there's a layer there one layers. and layer yeah. two. Yeah. That goes back exactly to that, um, trying to solve the two problems, really. One is the transaction fees and one's, one is privacy. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, there's an inverse relationship. So the higher the privacy, the slower the transactions. And so therefore, or the, or the reduced volume of transactions because of the number of just um, the number of things that have to happen in order for that transaction to go through. So higher the privacy and uh, uh, lower the throughput. And if the throughput is low, then the gas fees are usually quite high. So a lot of people have built a second layer, which reduces some of the privacy, um, and but increases the throughput. And so the transaction fees are less. So now we have layer ones, which is an Ethereum, right? Uh, there's layer twos, um, and there's now even a layer zero. Uh, so a layer zero is trying to do what is multi-chain. So multi-chain is one of the big hot topics that's coming up because I want a transaction here, or let's say if I have an asset on this particular blockchain and I want to move it over to this particular blockchain, well, then I need some sort of bridge or some sort of what they're calling interoperability in oh order God. to move from here to here. So I need a layer so zero in order to do so. Um, yeah. Can you those, put that in um, real terms? So like I, so I buy an NFT and it's in my MetaMask wallet, blah, blah, like, can you just break it down like in a real case study? Yes. Let's say you are a big gamer and mm -hmm. you have bought uh, an NFT and that NFT is a, a, a jersey for your avatar in this particular game. Let's say you want to then take that jersey because I own that digital asset. Remember, that's the whole mm -hmm. value of blockchain. Mm -hmm. And I want to put that jersey onto a different player in a different game. Or let's say I want to put it on my profile picture on Twitter or something else. I need to be able to take that jersey out of that particular game that's built on that chain and put it onto some other application built on some other chain. And that's not possible right now. Currently, that's not possible. There's a That's my big issue. To... That's mm. exactly my big issue. I bought all these art NFTs and my husband's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with these now? <laughs> <laughs> i mean we even have like we have a uh what's it called the frame tv where we can project uh -huh. up art but like i that, that is exactly the problem i can't take it from where i own it and put it on my tv it's you're, very right. Frustrating. you're right 
So <laughs> as things develop, as regulation comes in, as more money, once regulation comes into the market, then a whole bunch of money starts to flood in because there's a lot of massive institutional investors that are sitting around waiting for that regulation for one for two reasons. One, obviously, they want to make sure their money is safe. Two, and it, it's enforceable, but two, um, they're just, uh, by law, not able to invest. I mean, as global banks, they're just regulated. They just can't invest in sort of unregulated yeah. industries. Yeah. The same issue as with cannabis, like very similar conversation. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So once that happens, a flood of money will hit this industry. And there will be so, I mean, all the people who want to then go take jobs in this industry and get paid a decent wage to move over from like a web two company to a web three company and be able to support their families. They will come on and bring that brain power into blockchain and they will be able to solve these problems. Thank God. I mean, this is like, I, I, I'm so glad. I feel like I'm being validated for all of the weird things. Cause like, I've been really excited. I bought all this art. You know, I, we would talk, we're talking about, you know, collecting on our last call as well. And I can't do anything with it. And I'm really excited about it. Um, like there were some Kenny Scharf pieces that went off. I mean, there's a million really great artists that are putting NFTs out, but what the fuck do you do with it? Like there's just, <laughs> it's like so annoying. Um, I can just like say, I'm cool. I bought it. And people are like, awesome. Good for you. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> so silly. Um, okay. My last buzzword is, um, what is a DAO? Explain the DAO to our audience. A DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. So simply put, it's sort of a, a non-entity entity, or it's a headless, it's a headless company. Um, it is a collection of people who have a common interest who are willing to work for something, like literally do the hard work, whether it's Graphic sweat design, equity. whether it's coding, it's it's all the sweat equity, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, they are putting this in uh, to whatever that project is. And it's really just an experiment in how an organization is designed. Um, it's there's like a, communism, it feels like. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a merit system. Um, it's kind of like it starts off flat and it's kind of like a merit system. Like the more you put in, the more you get out. Um, and people will do that. But, you know, they don't work that well. I mean, there's very few that really do work well. So um, it, it's an experiment, honestly. Um, and if you talk with some of the traditional sort of like Web2 guys, the people who are licensing their IP or, you know, doing something where they need an actual, be able to actually, um, you know, um, have a contract with liabilities in case somebody makes a mistake or uses your IP unlawfully, you know, there's really no way to enforce that and, and sort of get any sort of retribution from that entity. So if you are um, in Web 2 and you're trying to do something in Web 3, but you have these assets like IP, I would not currently license those assets to an, a DAO. Um, but if you just want to participate in web three, because you think it's cool and you want to learn sort of on the job, well, then absolutely join a discord server and contribute some work to it and meet some folks and, you know, maybe learn, learn through, learn through the process. What is the question I didn't ask you that you were expecting? Is there something that I should have asked? I guess is what, what is Los Angeles's place? in all of this. Oh, that's a great, we'll wrap up on that. Any final words of wisdom? I love that question, Andy. You're so smart. This is why you're on the podcast today. You just get it. 
Well, I think that LA Tech Week is happening this week. I think there's it's not necessarily a Web3 only Tech Week. I mean, there's a lot of things happening here, which is great. It's really been a big reveal, and you know this, is like there's been a quiet tech community in LA that has been growing, but nobody really understood like, oh my gosh, all of these people are here. LA Tech We're not just Hollywood. <laughs> We're not just Hollywood. There's There's all these tech folks here sort of, I think there were 14 or 16,000 registrations and over 300 events, which yeah. is a de- nice decentralized um, tech week. Um, and God, so now six it's been events a- tomorrow. I've been to like 10 already. It's nu- it's a wild. nuts week. It's a nuts week. Yeah. It's wild, but it's fantastic. I think there's so yeah. much energy in the city right now yeah. Yeah. about, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this was such a big thing. Where are we all coming from? We're all been not- get sort of in hiding. Um, so I think that, you know, if the mix of this blossoming tech um, scene and community and, and industry in Los Angeles, plus the entertainment industry, which really sets, um, you know, the L.A. apart from a lot of other cities, I think the, the, the union between those two elements, I think, is going to be really exciting because it's my belief that entertainment will be one of being probably the largest contributor to this mass adoption that people talk about of blockchain technology. You have massive reach with all the celebrities and artists and um, entertainment companies and IP, massive, massive reach. And for applications to be built, either celebrity ventures in Web3 or entertainment uh, companies IP using Web3 tech in order to kind of distribute that out to the world that really participates in Hollywood. Um, I think that people, again, will start using uh, blockchain technology without even knowing about it. I hope so. And this is the bet that you're taking. So uh, you heard it here first, folks. These, this, these are the words of wisdom around all things Web3, blockchain, NFTs. Uh, so excited to have you on the show today, Andy. Honestly, like I feel like our audience has been asking these questions for a long time and I haven't had a great um, kind of single source of truth to answer a lot of that. So I really, really appreciate your time today. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, this is where I spend my, my day to day. So um, it's fun for me to talk about. Yeah. It's so fun nerding out on this stuff because it's not my day to day. Any final words of wisdom for people that are still, uh, you know, not convinced that this is the future. Uh, just pay, just, you know, give like uh, maybe 2% of brain power just to pay attention to it. Uh, you yeah. don't have to be an early adopter, um, but just kind of, you know, sign up to a couple newsletters or go to an event or ask a friend who's actually involved in this stuff and just kind of keep paying attention to it. And then once you're ready, jump in. I mean, there's no reason to rush if you're not comfortable with it. Totally. Uh, lastly, how can people get in touch with you if they have more questions, want to get involved with your organization, want to invite you on their podcast to explain to their audience because you're quite brilliant? <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, so my email address is super easy. It's aa at faculty.group. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, um, which is just Mr. Andy Anderson. And uh <laughs> Yeah, of course it is. I, yeah. Um, so yeah, and you know, I, I specifically look at you know entertainment entertainment brands and celebrity ventures in Web three, and there's a lot of education to be done in this space. There's a, a big interest, but you know, not everybody has the time or the bandwidth to become an expert in the space. So as people have questions, 
um, in order to know what to do, what not to do, um, how other people can manage their money if they want to take advantage of the opportunity, or if they have a project that they need support on um, or anything in between. I'm happy to chat with folks. So I lied, I have one more question. Go on. In Andy's perfect Web3 world, what, is it, what does that look like? Wow, I've not been asked that question before. In Andy's perfect world, perfect Web3 world, what does it look like? I, I I'm, think I'm going to answer it. You've got me speechless. I think I'm going to answer it. <laughs> I think I'm going to answer it in saying, one, I don't know yet. I think that we're yeah. still trying to figure that out. Um, but a few of the tenets of, of blockchain, which is um, like payments. I love what payments can do because like you and I were talking about, if I want to make a payment to somebody, I don't want to have to go through a bank in order to facilitate that and wait their three to five to seven days and answer a bunch of questions. It's my money. I should be able to hold that and be the custodian of my own money and not be subject to sort of anybody else's discretion on where or when or how to move that money to whomever I wish. Um, so, and I'm willing to be accountable for that because, uh, you know, I'm a good actor um, and I hope that there's some protections in place for people like me who are good actors who just want to be the custodian of their own, own money and own property. And whether that's, and that's digital property, it's the same as money. I mean, it, it's all the same. I should be able to do what I want with that. So does that mean that in Andy's perfect Web3 world, banks are dissolved entirely? You think that will ever be the case? No, but I hope that um, I could maybe have like a, a graduated licensing system where, mm. you know, like we do with cars all the time and, and don't get me on a gun debate, but it's the same thing for me. <laughs> yeah. um, but if we prove over time that we are capable of handling a car or a gun or money or whatever that is, then there should be particular privileges given to particular people over time when there is a, a, um, a verified and validated. Yep sort of Validation. expertise, let's say. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do it in the airports, right? People are able to pay their way through TSA now, but yet, you know, like in order for me to transfer my money, it's still subject to, you know, some sort of checks there. So I would hope to reduce the friction over time within banks for people to do what they want to do if they've proven a track record of being a responsible, good actor, let's say. I think that's fair. Okay. I will let you go now, Andy. Thank you so much for the time. This is probably one of my favorite podcasts I've ever hosted. I really appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you too. You too. And uh, I hope to see you soon. And maybe LA Tech Week will bump into each other. I hope so. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Of course, stay tuned for more from Elevate Your Brand coming up next.